Life is tough. Then you die. That's what the world tells us. And sometimes it's easy, even though we're Christians, to buy into this philosophy. Sometimes it seems that things are just getting worse and worse. There seems to be all kinds of trouble that we face. And Satan wants us to believe that things are just going downhill and that things are just going to get worse and worse and then we're going to die and things are just going to be bad anyway. And so why bother trying? What's the point of being in Christ? But Paul, in Romans chapter 8, in the reading that Ryan just gave us, has a different message. Satan wants us to believe that everything is going downhill and everything is just going to be all wrong. But Paul said something different. Paul said, everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. We just need to trust God. God's in control. I'd like for us to take a look at this passage. It's going to be just a very simple lesson today. I'd like for you to look in Romans 8. And we're going to stay here the whole time. So just go ahead and open it up and mark your finger there. It's going to be real easy. As Paul tells us, who love God, everything's going to be all right. Before we look at this, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you so much because you are the great Father who created all things. He's given us life and breath and every blessing. And we, Father, strive to acknowledge you in all our ways. We're able to walk this morning because of you. We're able to hear and see because of you. We've been able to eat because of you. And we've got clothes on because of you. And we're here in this warm building because of you. And we've been able to come together with our brothers and sisters because of you. You've blessed us far more than we can imagine. All your promises have come true, and we know that the promises that we're still waiting on will also come true, as that song we sang moments ago reminded us. We believe you, Father, and we're looking forward to your promises. Sometimes, however, the world gets in the way. Doubts and fears arise, and we struggle. We pray that you would help us to learn from Paul this morning, that because of you, everything's going to be all right, and help us to trust you with the outcomes and simply strive to do your right things today, to love you and to honor and glorify you. We do love you, Father, and we thank you for loving us. And we pray that you would be with us this morning as we study your word, that our hearts and minds will be open to your promises, and that we'll take encouragement from that, and that we'll know that everything is going to be all right in you. We love you so much, Father, and we thank you for loving us. Through your Son we pray. Amen. The very first thing that we notice in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 39, is that, well, there is going to be suffering. Suffering happens. In fact, that's how it starts. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Paul goes on and he talks a little bit about that suffering. He says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? He talks about the suffering. He says that the suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. But there is suffering. 
We don't want to give any kind of message that says that when you become a Christian, there's just not any suffering anymore, that no bad things happen. It does happen. And, and of course, when we hear this, what we jump to is we think about persecution. However, in the context here, he doesn't seem to be talking about persecution. He talks about the fact that this is a suffering that comes about because the world has been subjected to futility. We live in a world because of sin that has suffering. This world, because of sin, has been subjected to futility, and so bad things happen. That's just the way it's going to be. And bad things not only happen out in the world, but it happens to us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, it says. It happens to everybody. Bad things happen. We get sick. Our loved ones die. We lose our jobs. We have tax trouble. We have financial trouble. We have family trouble. There's all kinds of suffering that we go through. We suffer because someone on the job stabbed us in the back. We suffer because friends betray us. We suffer because even brethren let us down and turn their backs on us at times. We suffer because we sin. We suffer because other people sin. We suffer because we made mistakes and bad judgments and because other people made mistakes and bad judgments. We suffer when people nag and complain and badger and grumble. We, we suffer when people are giving us a hard time. We suffer through all kinds of things. And sometimes we begin to believe that what's the point? Why, why even bother all this, with all this? What? Why do we even keep trying this? And it's just so easy to get caught up in resentment and get caught up in discouragement and to be disgruntled and just throw our hands up and say, what's the point of this? Why keep trying? Seems like I can't ever do anything right. Always everything seems to mess up. Things just seem to be going from bad to worse all the time. But Paul says that suffering is going to happen. I know that. However, what interests me about what Paul says here is that really the suffering part of it is almost like Paul's side note. He's not here really talking about the suffering. He's talking about the other side of it. He says there in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's the point he's really making. That yes, to make it, he admits that they're suffering. But what he's really saying is that we're all going to be in glory someday. The glory is going to be revealed to us. And the suffering that we're going through right now is not even worth comparing with that. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. Glory is coming. However, if you're like me, despite the fact that Paul's point is about the glory that we're going to get, the part that you hone in on is that suffering part. That's the part that I think about. That's the part that I see every day. That glory is something that's coming, but the suffering is something that's right now. And so it's easy to hone in on that side of it and just to think about all the things we're saying. Anybody suffered any this year? Okay, one or two. Okay, well, there's a few more. I'm not asking you to lift holy hands, guys. I was just wanting to know if, if there was a, anybody else here that suffered. Okay, we suffered. Bad things that happened. Have good things happened, by the way? Anybody had some good things happen this year? Yeah, okay, good. Good things have happened, too. But we have suffered. Bad things have happened, and we go through that, whether it's, whether it's within the church, whether it's within our jobs, whether it's within our families. We have bad things and suffering that goes on, and Paul admits the suffering. But the thing I want you to notice is that wasn't Paul's point. Paul's point wasn't that we suffer. Paul's point was that our suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed on us. What Paul is saying is, I know you suffer, but everything is going to be all right. And he points out that we have a hope. He says we have a hope. Even while we're suffering right now, 
we can know that everything's going to be all right because God has given us some promises and God has provided us with a hope. And God has said that it's not going to be like this forever, that yes, there are these things going on, but you have a hope, not just a wishful thinking kind of hope, an earnest expectation kind of hope. This is something that God has said is going to happen, and He mentions three things within this text that He says are going to happen. In verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We're going to have freedom. We're in a world right now that is subjected to bondage, to futility, to corruption. It's all around us. But we know that freedom is coming. We know that there's going to come a time that 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 sin that subjected this world to futility is going to be vanquished. Freedom is coming and we'll be set free from the corruption of the world and we'll be set free from the corruption that we've practiced. That's not all he says. He goes on in verse 23 and says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. We've got adoption coming. Now I understand in Scripture there's a sense in which we who love God have already been adopted, but here Paul is talking about that ultimate fulfillment of the adoption that comes at the end when the world is burned up with fire and the new heavens and new earth and and holiness and righteousness as Peter talks about. We're going to have adoption as sons. Think about what that adoption as sons really means. We are so desperate for connection. We are so desperate to be connected and find wholeness in someone, somewhere. And what Paul says is that's coming. We've already got a taste of it here as we're in Christ and we have that adoption in prospect. But there's going to come a time when that adoption of sons is realized and fulfilled. And we'll have that connection. We'll have freedom and we'll have that adoption, the connection, the wholeness through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in the same verse says that we eagerly await for the adoption of sons and the redemption of our bodies. <clears throat> these bodies that, because of corruption, decay and grow old. These bodies that, that get sick, that lose their hearing and lose their sight, and have to have surgery so you walk around on crutches, right, Jimmy? We're going to be redeemed from that. That's not going to happen. We're not going to have to make hospital visits in heaven. We're looking for the redemption of our bodies. Paul says this is the hope that we have. This is what's coming to those who love God. This is what God has promised us. We sang just a moment ago, for you have promised and I believe. Do we believe that? Do we let what's going on in the world and all the things that Satan hurls at us and all those influences cause us to believe that no, things things aren't going to be alright? Paul says this is our hope. Freedom. Adoption. Redemption. Paul is telling us everything is going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I want you to understand that this morning. Everything is going to be all right. No, that doesn't mean that everything throughout your life is just going to be rosy. But in the end, everything is going to be all right. And there's a reason for our hope. Why can we have this hope? How is it that we can look at everything that's going on around and we look at ourselves and how much we mess things up and we we look at everybody else and how much they mess things up and we look at the world and how messed up it is. Why is it that we can say that for us who love God, everything is going to be all right? 
Well, this is where Paul really brings about his evidence. In verse 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We have this hope because the Holy Spirit is working on us. Don't want everything to work out all right? I know that you do. The problem is when we try to make sure that everything works out all right, we mess it up. At least that's what happens in my life. And sometimes we're not even sure what do we need to pray for. What do we need to pray for so that everything will be all right? We don't know. And certainly as we mature in Christ, we, we gain understanding and our prayers become more mature and our spiritual living becomes more mature. But even then, we're not God. We don't know everything. Why is everything going to be all right? Paul says, because in our weakness, the Holy Spirit is helping us. The Spirit is interceding for us, even when we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to pray. We've got people that we're worried about, and we don't know how to pray for them. We don't know what the right thing is, but the Spirit does. And the Spirit prays according to the will of God. God knows the Spirit and searches the Spirit. You understand what Paul is saying to you? Paul is saying to you that if the Holy Spirit is working on your behalf, everything is going to be all right. But that's not all he says. Let's drop down to verse 34. In verse 34 he says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Notice what he says. It's not only the Holy Spirit that is interceding for us, but Jesus Christ is interceding for us. Jesus Christ died on the cross and is now sitting at the right hand of God and He's interceding for you. Jesus is taking you to the Father right now and asking God on your behalf to be with you, to grow you, to help you mature, to help you be conformed to His image. And you know what Paul is saying to you in this passage? Paul is saying to you, that if Jesus is interceding for you, everything is going to be all right. The Spirit is interceding for you. Jesus is interceding for you. The Spirit is helping you in your weakness. Jesus died so that you could be forgiven and go to heaven. Everything's going to be all right. But he doesn't end there. Let's back up to verse 28. In verse 28, Paul says, And we know for, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. See that? We know that for those who love God, 
All things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. That's not saying that every event in your life is going to be good, and that's not even saying that every major event in your life is going to be good. But what it is saying is that no matter what happens in your life, when we love God, in the end, God's working it together for good. It goes on in verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren, and the brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Why do we know that it's all going to work together for good? Because it's not us working it, it's God. Now, we're afraid of the verse here because it uses the word predestined because of our Calvinist friends, but the passage said God has predestined that you would be conformed to the image of his Son. Do you love God? It says that those who love God, He's predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And so I don't know what's happened in your life today, and I don't know how you've messed it up over this past week. I'm sure that you have, and I've been right there with you. But what this says is no matter how we've messed it up, if we love God, He has predestined that we'll be conformed to His image. God is working on that. He's saying everything's going to be all right. And then verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Our big problem is we're spending our time trying to justify ourselves. And if that's what we're going to do, there's going to be lots of people who condemn but it's God who's justifying us. It's God who sent His Son to die for us. Brothers and sisters, don't you think if God loved you so much that He sent His Son to die for you, that He's going to give you what you need so you can become conformed to the image of His Son? So that you can glorify Him and be glorified in Him? I know when we look around and Satan is allowing all these things to happen in the world because of sin to make us think that isn't going to happen. But what Paul is saying is it is going to happen. It is happening. God's working it out. God will work it out. We love Him. And therefore, God will justify us. And God will glorify us. And if God is on our behalf, everything is going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. as long as we keep loving God. Now see what that passage says? Let's, let's just recap that again. Who's working on your behalf right now? The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. Who is powerful enough to mess that up? And the Father, Son, and the Spirit are all working on your behalf. Paul is saying, everything is going to be all right. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Any of those things? Do any of those things mean it's all going all wrong? He says, no. Father, Son, and Spirit are still working on your behalf. Throughout all those things, 
everything's going to be all right. But he says one more thing to us in verse 37. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. Satan wants us to believe we're in a losing battle. Satan wants us to believe that all the work we're doing, whether it's as a, as a Bible class teacher or a deacon or an elder or a preacher or a Christian or, or a neighbor or a parent, he's wanting us to believe that all of that is in vain, that it's not doing any good, and in the end we're just going to go to hell anyway. What's the point? And what Paul is saying is that's just not true. You love God? Anybody here this morning love God? he says for those of us who love God is that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are working to make everything all right and because of that, we win. Because of that, we win. We are more than conquerors. And all this stuff that's going on in your life in which Satan is trying to say that what you're doing is not worth anything is just wrong. We're going to win. We're going to win as Christians. We're going to win as a church. We're going to win as the body of Christ. We are going to win. Everything is going to be all right. Not because of us. Not because of us. But because the Father, Son, and the Spirit are working in us. When we love them. There's only one thing I wanted you to remember from this lesson. Can anybody guess what that is? Guys, everything's going to be all right. We're in Christ. We love God. And God loves you. Let's let Him work on the outcomes. How about today we just do what we can to get to know Him better and love Him? I asked myself four questions this week when it came to this lesson. What did I want you to know? Anybody got that one down yet? Everything's going to be all right. Why do I want you to know it? Because Satan has a real bad habit of discouraging us and making us think it's just not true. And we need to be encouraged. But what do I want you to do? I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to encourage. The reason why we need to know this is not just so we can walk out of here feeling better today. The reason why I want you to know this, and the reason why we need to know this, is because I want you to look around. Look at all these people here. See all these folks around you? No, I really meant that. I meant look around. All of you are just looking at me. Go ahead and look around. Look, look at folks. See all these people here? Every single one of these folks here need to be encouraged this week. 
Everybody's at a different place. I mean, some people are, are, are strong in their faith this week and some people are down. Some people are, this is not a week where they're struggling too much, but some people it's, it's a bad week. But every single person here needs to be encouraged this week. And so I want, I want to encourage you to encourage someone. And the reason I want you to do it, that was the fourth question, why do I want you to do that, is not because, oh, this is God's homework for you this week to encourage someone. The reason I want you to do it is because when you encourage, you will be encouraged. So we're going to do something a little bit different. Jim, did you get some folks ready to, okay, I got some guys that are going to pass out some slips of paper. Go ahead and do that, would you guys? We're going to take just a moment here, pass these out. I hope I've got enough for everybody. First Timothy 1.5 says, The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And when, when Paul said that to Timothy, he was not saying, I hope you feel some love. He was saying, I hope you do some love. That's what the goal is. The goal is about doing. It's not just about knowing. And, and one of the problems I sometimes have in my preaching is I just want to make sure everybody knows some things. But today I want us to do some things. I hope you read the bulletin today because... As I studied this week, one of the things I learned was that maturity is about what we do, not what we know and believe. I want you to know that everything is going to be all right because there are people around you who are struggling to believe that. And so this week, I'd like to ask you, I'd like to encourage you. Everybody get one? Anybody need one? I think Jim's got some extras there. I need one, Jim. I forgot to keep one. I'd like for you to look at that slip, and right now, don't, don't tuck it in your Bible for later. Right now, make a commitment. And I want you to look around, and I want you to see three people. That this week, and I know it's tough because, well, this week is Christmas. We're just too busy. Well, that means if we can do it this week, then the rest of the year we ought to be able to get after it, don't you think? So I want you to think of three people. I'm going to give you just a minute here to think about three people that you're going to encourage. It might be an elder. It might be a teacher. It might be somebody you know is going through some trouble. It might be somebody you don't know if they're going through trouble at all, but you just want to make sure they know God's with them and everything's going to be all right. And encourage them to continue loving the Lord. And your spouse cannot be one of them. You ought to be doing that anyway. So don't put your spouse's name down. Now you can tuck that in your Bible or wherever it is that you'll remember to do it. And let me point out that next Sunday I'm not going to ask you if you did it. We're not going to have a show of hands. I'm not going to find out who, who you were supposed to encourage and we're not going to grade this. And the reason for that is, is because, brothers and sisters, if you encourage someone just so that you can raise your hand if I ask next Sunday, it's not really going to help you that much. But when from your heart you take time this week to encourage people about God being with them, I just guarantee you, you will be encouraged. And so, that's really the question about whether or not you're going to do this. Do you want to be encouraged or not? Because when we encourage others, we are encouraged ourselves. When you go home today, I want you to remember this. Everything's going to be all right.